0: Anyone who's a member of the Airdrie Facebook page knows that Airdrie fans love to travel. The bus for Montrose tomorrow is more than fully booked, and we've seen many pictures of people with their Airdrie beach towels in foreign climes. However, for some Airdrie fans, a week in Magaluf isn't enough. I caught up with Willie Marshall and Dougie Alsop to hear about the second Airdrie fans' expedition to Mongolia, what they'll be up to, and what we can do to help. Tell us a bit about how you ended up going to Mongolia. Dougie, what's the story about how a bunch of Airdrie fans ended up going to Mongolia a few years ago now, the first time?
1: Well, if you remember the the Kit Aid project that we started um, back in 2014, I think it was, um, where it was the the free season tickets for kids if you donate a football strip. So I'd been kind of chatting to uh, Derek, who's the the founding member of Kit Aid, um, about the project, and he was obviously very much behind it. But he said, um, you know, at that point we were trying to get some um, publicity uh, for the for the for the project. So he says, look, there's a guy who can knew get out to Angola uh, to take out some strips who was based in Glasgow. So uh, he says, you know, that could be a good initial project for you, and you can get some pictures back, and that adds a bit of credence to the 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 project you're about to do. So we met up with the lads who were going out and the Swally. Uh, I think you might actually have been playing as well at that point, Colin. I can't remember.
0: Oh, but the did sub. Donated- Dougie, been sub.
1: Um, but a very useful sub. Um, <laughs> he says lying. Um, we donated a set of strips, uh, and it ended up out in uh, Mongolia. Uh, donated to a team called goal So you can see that the pictures, the before and after pictures, you know they play on a, a kind of you know makeshift pitch, um, makeshift goals. Um, you know, not a grass pitch and like that, so we get the strips back for them. Um, we get the pictures back for them. Sorry, and that kind of, we thought that might be the end of it. But then um, the lad who took it, who took the strips out um, is a chap called Dave Scott, who is the honorary consul for Mongolia in Scotland, um, and who also owns a operates a kind of a kind of travel company uh, to the more exotic places in the world. So he kind of the links had been set up with the first set of strips went out, and then put the put the, the teaser to us about why don't you guys go out to Mongolia, um, which we thought was bizarre and, and mental, but um, about a year later, there was 11 boys there to go out, um, drinking Mongolia dry, playing a couple of games of football, very, very badly, I would add. Um, very badly, in fact. Um, we get beaten both games. Uh, we did a wee bit of trekking. Um, it was all kind of all really kind of set up through that first set of ships. I went out from the Swalley to try and get the Cattie project up and running.
0: And you played a couple of games of football, but you played in the National Stadium in Mongolia, is that right?
1: Yeah, we played... Uh, well, I think there was a kind of breakdown in communication for that one. Um, I mean, the last the last group that went out, uh, in terms of age, was much younger than this group. I think maybe the average age last team was early 30s, I think. Um, and we thought we'd be playing a team uh, of similar age uh, and ability. But we ended up playing, like, I think it was... Like, this the the a the, the first team of a of a Mongolian team, um, you know, and some of our boys had only got to bed at like six o'clock in the morning. I recall I won't name any names, um, and then we ended up playing football at nine o'clock. Three years later, so it was in the national stadium. We got absolutely gubbed about 11-2 or, or something, uh, so we didn't really perform that grand. And uh, then we played uh, played the second game uh, in a small town called Mandelgolf, which we were going to visit again this year. Um, and we get beat 3-2 in that one. That was just an interesting game, but that was one where the whole town turned out to see us. Um, they put music on, um, and the dancers, proper traditional Mongolian music and traditional Mongolian dancers. And we get beat 3-2 in that game. But I remember they called us the the, the Ironheads, um because they had... Obviously, football was a kind of emerging game in Mongolia, but they'd never seen a team hit as much as what we did. And... Um, so they end up calling us the iron heads there was a few so heads the next day don't you? <laughs> so I mean we, played, we played, played a couple of games last time um, didn't do so well I not what it was about really
0: Good, Willie. you go to well by my calculations this is your fourth trip out to Mongolia so I mean that's like some people who go to calendar or something but why is it, why have you caught the bug what is it that keeps you going back there and what is it you've enjoyed about it so much
2: I, I, was just going to, I was just going to add to what Dougie said, because the team we played in the Land last time in 2015 were actually the the, the champions that year, a team called Corkerum. And they'd won the league about, uh, about three weeks before we played them. Um, and I think they quickly re- recognised that we were not the as the ability that they were expecting. Um, and they made, a, they made a few hasty substitutions in the second half. And I ended up I was a right back, and they put a 12-year-old in the left wing, which was just about my, my ability. Um, and, and we did miss a penalty. We, we lost 11 eleven three. We missed a penalty. It could have been eleven four. But it, it was a good, a great deal. So yeah, I got your question about. Um, I've been out there about. I think this is going to be my first time when I, when I go out in a week uh, in ten days time, twelve days time. Um, and, and the reason the reason for that is we we, we kind of struck up a friendship with Dave Scott, the guy that kind of organised the first trip. And Dave was the honorary consul for Scotland, and as Dougie said, he, he runs an adventure travel company. And he, he was going out the very next year, and he was taking a kind of, hundred bankers out um, to do a sponsored walk in the Bawaii Desert. And he, he kind of, contacted me and said, do you fancy coming out and giving me a wee hand? So that, that was the second time. And then the third time, he was going up to um, Lake Kovskol, which is up north of Mongolia, almost in the border of Russia. Um, and that the lake freezes over in the winter. And Dave, Dave for his sins, was organising a, a trip of 50 people who were going to run across the lake, about 180 kilometres long. And there was there was 50 hardy souls who were going to do that. So we, we were going to do a wreck and he asked me to go along with them. So that's... And then last year I went I went an with, and um, he was going out with Willie Anderson. And, that, 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 and that's linked to this trip because Willie was um, donating... Um, a a cervical cancer screening unit to Mongolian Cancer Centre in November last year, which is, is, is very much linked to what we're doing this year in this trip. Mm-hmm. So, that's, that's been the times I've gone out. And that's the reasons why. But it's, it's, it's mainly because of, mm-hmm. the link we've got. Oh.
0: And Willie, I mean, you've mentioned a few places here. I don't know much about Mongolia. I can picture in my head sandwiched between Russia and China. I get the impression it's a massive country. But can you give us a bit of a flavour of it? I mean, it seems like you've you've seen a fair bit of it now.
2: Well, like you said, Mongolia is a landlocked country, um, and it's, it's completely bordered by Russia and China. Um, although the, the Mongolians themselves, um, I think I think they kind of favour the Russians. Any, any that I've come across, if you're asking them to choose between the two. Uh without exception, I think the ball is going the ball was to favoured the Russian the Russian uh, colleagues. Um but certainly there's a lot of investment from China and, and the country and in the travel from um, the laboratory. only have a couple of roads coming out of the capital. One goes south and one goes north. Um, and the once the one going south goes to the, the Chinese border, and the one goes north goes to the Russian border. So you can see how uh important these two countries are right, to Mongolia? But but in terms in terms of um, what I can I get right to over there, I just find the people so friendly, and I think it's be- probably because I'm linked to Dave Scott, and Dave's got kind of, got kind of political um, links in, in the country, and he's been he's been Dave's visited the country about fifty times, so he's a very very experienced traveller and a very very experienced visitor in Mongolia, and he's got lots of contacts there, and, and hence the reason that we're able to tap into it whenever we take the the football guys along.
0: And what about the standard living, Dougie? I've spoken to you before, and you've got a good story about your your shin pads, Can you maybe Give us that one, and just.
2: Um,
1: I think, well, the 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 population's three million, uh, and half, just under half that live in the capital, Ouamadour. And um, when you're in Ouamadour, you, you know it's very much like a your know, kind of traditional, normal um, capital city. You know, it's it's quite it's quite up and coming. There's there's office blocks, there's, there's restaurants, there's um, nightclubs and, and pubs and stuff. So I think that a lot of Mongolians actually flock to Mongolia eh, to Ulaanbaatar for for work. But in even Ulaanbaatar, that's the city centre. But the further out you get, you get what they call the ger districts, which is where the kind of the, the kind of poorer folk live, or, or where the kinda, people who adhere to the nomadic lifestyle live. Eh, and the is just like a, a kind of I don't. A kind of tent or a kind of wigwam. It's kind of circular. Um, so in the capital in the city centre, it's very vibrant. But if you go, um, the worse the conditions get, they've got quite a lot of kind of homeless, especially kids in the city centre. Um, but then when you go further, when you go further afield, so was, you know, um, you know, you think you grim, to was. Is, is ten times worse, but for some reason we all kind of fell in love with um That that was maybe I don't know about five or six hours away from from the capital. It's just a it's a small town, but it's, it was a, it's a it's the capital for that specific region. Mm-hmm. So it's a population of maybe ten thousand, but there's it, it covers hundreds maybe thousands of miles of a circumference. Um, and when we went there, they're not used to uh, they're certainly not used to westerners. They're not used to any tourists. There's, there's nothing touristy about it. But the people, and again, there, there is similarities there, I guess. People were really friendly. Um, they loved the fact that we were a bit amused as well, I would say, by living guys for a wee town in Scotland who so were, we're going, to their, going to their town. When we when we played the football, as I say, the whole town turned out, you know, to watch us. And there was, there was loads of people, wee kids and, who had nothing, you know. And, and we met the families. So we donated four gears the last time. And we met a couple of the families who were getting the girls, and they were so, so humble and so thankful. You know, and they gave us gifts which you know were just were nothing really. But if you, if you if you look at it, it was like a wee, a, a wee football and a, and a, um, a wee knitted thing, and you think, what is that? But because they made it for us, it, it meant a lot. Um, but then after the game, the last time we came off and and the kids were taken, you know, we came off. And our boxer shorts. The, the kids come up and wanted our wanted our tops, wanted our shorts, wanted um, your your boots. A wee kid wanted my shin pads. You know, and my shin pads, as you remember, called my shin pads was stinking because I, I never bought more because I kept thinking that would be my last year playing football. So they'd, they'd seen about 15 years worth of sweat, and uh, the wee guy wanted my wanted my shin pads. You know, they just wanted anything, um, anything and everything, and uh, and we went out to see, you know, we went out to see the kind of the kind of really poor areas of Mandelgove and it was it was heartbreaking you know the one of the ladies one of the families we met last time who we donated a gear to um so basically the, the further out you go in these gear districts is it, it kind of means it shows you how much money i guess you've got and there was a single parent who had a a 19 year old disabled daughter who was just staying in an absolute squalor you know it was it was awful but she that was a old house she was getting a new house way we gave her, you know, she was she couldn't do enough She couldn't show her gratitude enough. And we gave her some hairdry stuff. We gave her a scarf and scarf and stuff. But they've just got nothing. And that was, Mandalgo was a proper, proper life-changing, I think. I think for all of us, you know, the Ulaanba tour, I think was good. But, you know, we, we went to the pubs and we played football. But the further out into the country you get, the more thankful people were. And that was the kind of really, really humbling bit, I think, for it all. And that's what set me for me. That's why I went to go back out to, to Mongola. That was the bit that really struck a chord with me.
2: I think I can support that, Colin, because um, the, the, the most humble thing for me was that we were on the pitch before the game started, and the television cameras were there, and they were interviewing, you know, Dave Scott and stuff like that, because we were kind of handing over these airs and and one of the, the families, one they, they started to the interview one of the families and what it meant to them. Now they were speaking back in, in the goal, and we couldn't we couldn't understand it, and. Um, but you could just tell by the emotion. It, it was a, a small one, and we got a photograph taken. With her. I think that's one one that doggies put on the, the kind of just given page. We got a photograph taken with that family, and she was a wee woman. But it, it was just it was just the most humble humble I've felt not my whole life, and um, you, you could just hear the, the emotion in her voice that, that this was a huge huge deal for her to get home. Uh, who'd never had a home in her life, you know, and, and this was she was getting this home. And it was just—it was just a, a, a very humble experience. And what this, I'll never forget, and some that took from that,
0: from that trip. So onto this trip then, and I've looked at the itinerary that you posted, uh, and I've read the, the the description that you've put up on Just Giving. And it's, I mean, it's epic. Uh, There's—you're all over the place. You've got loads of events. There's also loads of organisations. So just throw open. Tell us about what's going on this time, and who's involved, and what you're going to be up to.
1: I think, and I don't mean this in any disrespect to the last group of guys who went out, but there's probably more charity aspects at this time. Um, and I think really just because maybe the makeup of the, the party that's going, I say the averages last time has been about thirty. The averages this time now is like forty-six, forty-seven, I think. And and then within the makeup of that party, you've got two um, so of you. Want, you've got Hannah and Stephen Eaton, who. I mean first of all, first and foremost, every fans. Um Hannah and Stephen lost. Well Hannah's dad, Tam, um, passed away about the six or seven weeks when that was Stephen's brother. So they've only kind of recently joined up taking of, as a kind of tribute to their dad, uh, to, to Tam to be Um within the group there's a couple a couple of recovering alcoholics, you know, I'm not getting any names, but everybody's quite comfortable with it. A couple of recovering alcoholics. There's uh, a lad who is Who's bipolar? Who has been sectioned several times? Who's not been in the country since 1995? Um, one of the boys is, has only been abroad or on a plane twice. with well, us the second time, and the last time was Mongolia. So he went to Mongolia last time. That's the first time he's was on a plane. He's come back out again. There's folk with you know kind of mental health problems or, or, or whatever. So if everybody if who goes out is actually fighting their own weakness. Kind of, has got their own story, and it's, it's a personal thing for all of them as well, you know. Especially the, the lads who's bipolar, you know, it'll be, a, it'll be a massive, massive thing for him, It'll be it'll, it'll be a real struggle. So, um, so everybody who's going out is, is is has got a has got their own little their own, their own demons or their own story to tell, if you like. Um, when we're out there, we're doing we're doing set when we've got like probably four or five different aspects. of charity. cat aid is obviously the one where which started the whole process. Um, so we'll be taking out probably a couple hundred football strips, I think, um, to donate to, um, in, in the capital and in Manning We're donating five girls in Delanzagrad, and each of these will be um, named after. You know, there'll be a tent for TAM. There'll be uh, one for the support supporters of the football club. Um, and we are also, in, in conjunction with the, the homeless side of things, We've also donated £1,000 to um, the New Beginning homeless charity, which is in Scotland. Um, one of the lads who's going to Stuart Robertson, he's kind of set up that charity for homeless people in Glasgow. So we've tried to do stuff in Mongolia and also in Airdrie uh, or in Scotland, I should say. Uh, Michelle Henderson, Cervical Cancer Trust, well, he's already kind of touched on that. Um, so last year, they donated a, a Cervical Cancer screening unit in Mongolia, which was about £30,000, I think it was. So I've donated £3,000 to them, um, they do stuff at home. Predominantly at home, but they have got a presence in Mongolia as well. So that was one of the reasons we chose them. Um, we're hoping to do a wee bit with suicide prevention. Um, the reason suicide prevention was up is myself from Bali and David. I uh, went down to uh, Westminster last year and uh, from Mongolia, I kinda, it's a, it was a, a day to try and promote links between the UK and Mongolia. Uh, I have a suicide prevention badge on, um, who are a main sponsor of Airdre, or that, or still are. And uh, we got chatting to one of the, I think it was the Mongolian health minister, who asked what the badge was, and chatted about the suicide rate in Scotland, and, and specifically North Lanarkshire, and, and he was telling us that you know, uh, Mongolia's got the third biggest suicide rate in the world, right, per capita. So we're hoping to do some stuff with suicide prevention over there. Um, that's kind of hit a wee bit of a stumbling block just now, but hopefully we can. And then the last thing we're doing is um, is walking football. So, we first started a walking football group uh, up at the stadium about two years ago. So, we're very wary of the fact that the, the average age of the group this time is is 20 years older than the last group that went out, and, and they get cuffed. So, um, we're playing a games of walking football. We're playing, we're playing in this tournament, obviously, but we're going to um, introduce walking football. So, walking football has really grown arms and legs now, and... In the UK, and it's, it's a great way of older people keeping fit and, you know, the whole and social isolation and uh, etc. So we're going to have a, a demo match over there to try and introduce walking football and we'll do a week kind of chat about what the benefits of it are. And, um, so we've got loads of, and It seems quite a lot, but it all kind of fits into the itinerary quite well, I think. It's not as if we're going out our way to, to do... This to do it, you know, all fits in really,
2: really well. So that's a good charity. Well, I can maybe chat through the the internet a little bit better.
0: Yeah, Willie, can you tell us places and and dates where you'll be?
2: Yeah, well, I think we're right. We're flying on the 27th, we're flying on the 23rd. Um, We're we're, we're going to have about 18 hours in Beijing uh, when we go out. So it's going to be a long day for flying, a 11-hour flight uh, from Edinburgh get to beijing about six o'clock in the morning and then you get through customs and and get your visa and then we've got about 17 hours in in beijing after that Uh, so we're going to just hit the the kind of Tiananmen square and we'll do the forbidden city and mouse tomb and then there's some 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 really nice markets in, in in beijing itself where you can pick up some exotic foods like you know, like cockroach and like scorpion, and like, uh, I've I, 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 I managed to do it last year and got some photographs. So, we're going to try, we're going to do all that in, in Beijing, and then we'll go for the Peking Duck, uh, and then we'll kind of get back to the airport uh in the evening. And then it's a about a two hour flight to Mongolia from there, but we don't arrive in Mongolia about midnight. So, I think it will be an early meet for us because we're um, playing football at the national stadium the next morning with the, with the, the kind of cancer tournament. Uh, again, so at the moment, I think there's about 10 teams that uh, have been submitted. Um, I think there are a couple of teams in. The, the, the Japanese Embassy have got a team in. The British Embassy have got a team in. Um, and and, and, we, and we're, we're taking part in that tournament as well. Um, badly, probably, but we're going to take part. Um, I think that takes place. That runs over until the Sunday. And then in the Sunday afternoon, we're going to head down to Mandelgolf, which is about a five, six-hour drive. Um, and we got the time to, to go to get the gear camp that we stayed in the last time four years ago um, and, and as Dougie, I to earlier on they gave us a real kind of reception we went to Mandelgove the last time We had the mayor uh, put on a meal for us in, in, the, in the local kind of hall um, and, then, and then we went over to the, um, the local theatre and, and the, the kids put on a show for us which was again was very humble um, and then we went back to the gear camp which is maybe a couple of miles outside Mandelgove and we had a kind of what was known as a kind rave, um, and the mayor came out. And the mayor came out with his um, his um and the eleven the guys from Airdrie and, and, and Dave and, and Martin were there, and it was just what, a great big party, and it was a, it was one of the best nights we had there. So we're doing that again. Um, so we've got, we've got a couple of days in Mandelgove, and then we're going to play football the following day against the team we played against the last time, that beat at '72. So we've got a game against them again. And then after that I've get another mate in Mandelgolf, and then we're going to head into the Lanzaged, which is down towards the Chinese border. I mean Man- Mand I think, means middle Gobi and then and, and, and the lanzagads um, almost they, they go with the Gobi stretches out of China, so it's, it's it's near the Chinese border. Um, but, it, but it's another like five, six hour journey from Mandelgove. And I think once we get there, that's what we're gonna do the the donate the gears. As Doug said, i have got five gears. Um, we're, we're going to also deliver food parcels to the to the, the people who are getting the gears so we've got some shopping to do once we get there and some packing and then we'll deliver the gears along with the food parcels to the homeless people so i think we're, and then the next day i think we've got a day we can do some sightseeing before we head back up to mantelgove um for a stopover and then we go up to i don't know if any, anyone who's not aware or anyone is aware that there's a huge Chinggis khan um, statue um, and just north of the Land of um, So that's the next stop after Mandelgove. But again, it's about a five-hour drive. Um, and, and this is one's up inside. The, he's sitting on the horse. You're upside the horse. You're up to the horse's head. And there's a big viewing platform. And you're about, I don't know, 100 metres up, up. It's a really iconic view, a iconic uh, statue and an iconic view from it. So it's, it's, it's well worth it. And then from that, we, we go back to Tower, uh, on Friday, the following Friday. And then we've got an invitation to the, the British Embassy. Um, and got, so we're going up to the British Embassy bar on the Friday that, That's a secret bit, remember, Billy? Well, that's a cool. it? All right, okay.
1: Mm, nobody else knows it about that apart from me and you. All oh,
2: right, okay, right. <laughs> we're, not, we're, not, we're, not, we're not going to the British Embassy. No, <laughs> we're not the, going to the embassy. It's, it's in our heads. Um, but yeah, well, I and mean, then that, that takes you up to the Saturday, and I think that's a fine up there last day in the Armitar, so it's just a day for relaxation, maybe a bit of sightseeing. Um, and some shopping, and then coming back on the Sunday, again with a, with a 15, 16-hour over in Beijing. And I think they hope the guys are hoping to get a organise a bus and get a trip up to the Great Wall of China. And um, it's only about an hour and a half from the airport. And um, so I think that the guys are hoping that we'll, we'll be able to organise that. And then before we all head back home, So it's a pretty packed
1: itinerary. As I, I was going to to that we went the last time we, the, was it the last night we were invited to the British Embassy Yeah. and we all got split up into two groups so one group went ahead and the others were just kind of dozing about in the in the hotel so the second group were wandering up and the guy who took us was a guy called Martin Myers who worked with Dave at that point and he was actually a FIFA agent um, or he was FIFA registered um, so he was taking us up and he kept saying it's that building there, it's that building there and and we were all walking up, going, right, and we kept walking past pubs, going, can we just stop for a pint? He said, no, no, it's up there, it's up there, it's up there, it's, up there. it's that building. And we get to that building, and we never that building. And eventually we got to a building with flags outside it, it was, here it is here. He says, here it is here. So we went in, and we chapped the door, and nobody came. And the next thing, this armed guard came, came out from the, behind the kind of the building, came out the side, with his gun pointing at us, and he uh, didn't speak any English. And Martin's like, you're Johnians? Air <laughs> football, Scotland, Air football. And the guy didn't have a clue what was going on, he just kept pointing the gun. And I uh, thought, <laughs> Martin, what's going on here? Uh, as you do when there's a gun pointed at you. And so uh, eventually, folk came to the door, whether it was the, kind of the diplomat or, or whoever it was, and Big Martin kept going, Air football, Air Juniors Scotland. And uh, there was much, much confusion, and more guards appeared, and more guns appeared. And uh, after a while, it turns out we were in the in the Laos embassy, and uh, the British embassy was next door.
0: <laughs> well, so they'll, they'll be ready for you this time.
1: I will making that mistake again. <laughs> I think the other thing is, the other thing is, remember when we from the rave that Willie talked about, and uh, the mayor from Mandelgove came up. He's he's making a party, and, and he brought like all the kind of obviously is the, the main drink in in Mangola and he brought um, the, the local cup. But uh, we also had a bottle, uh, one of the boys, She had taken a bottle of Buckfast over as well. So there was a, a cultural exchange of drinks in, in this, uh, in this, uh, with this town there. He was giving us his work and he was uh, trying Buckfast for the first time. And he, How it survived all that time, I don't know. At least she kept that a secret.
0: Has he ordered uh, a supply for this visit?
2: Well, there's a few we have bottles, apparently. <laughs> I think another story, another story which displays the flexibility of his supporters, column was the, um, that that same night that Dougie's talking about, when the party gets split up, and someone, Lee Semphy, and, and myself, and a few others, uh, there, there was a there was a director of one a kind of, a kind of famous distillery, a Scottish distillery, who who I think were trying to um, get into the market, the Mongolian market for whiskey, um, and they 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 he, he brought over actually a kind of case. Of, selected whiskies. Um and then as it turned out he couldn't he couldn't make the the the, the night we had in the embassy. So he said to Dave, uh, me and Dave and, and Big Kenny, Would you mind doing the whisky tasting we were doing a whisky tasting night, He's, Would you mind doing the whisky tasting? And he gave us the brochures on each of the whiskies, And we were gonna taxi up, you know, reading these brochures about four or five different malt whiskies. And uh, and we ended up um, hosting the this the, the malt whisky tasting event at the British Embassy that night. And, and all, all we were doing was blagging. We, we, we were about 20 seconds ahead of everybody else that was there, but all they were interested in was getting a kind of whisking, it was getting, getting handed out. turned out a great night Excellent. I, yeah,
0: I did you manage to fake it? Would they, would they have spotted you? We,
2: we, no, well, nobody, nobody picked up. Nobody picked up on it.
0: <laughs> uh, maybe one last thing then, so you, you've mentioned these gears a few times. I mean, last thing you went out there, did you build? Uh, one of those for for the the families. I know you're donating them this time but what I mean what is it what is it that these guys live in uh, and and how's it constructed just give us a feel for, for for what a gear is
2: like a mobile tent really that, That's that's linked with, it's linked wood, it's is wooden based with um almost like felt um what would you call it felt Oh changes so it's a word. just to kinda of keep it warm sort of thing, you know? Insulation. Felt me outside, felt me in inside. Hi, insulation that's the word going <laughs> Um that's why you're hosting this event, you know the words. But you it's got kind of, a kind of wooden frame with felt insulation and then a waterproof coating on the outside. And similarly as it's, it's a kinda of point to drive. Not not quite like a one, like Dougie said, but almost if you know what I mean. Um, um and, and then they've got a, a kind of a kind of stove pipe in the middle of it, which, which keeps the place warm. And when, and when we go to a gear camp, when we stay in the gear camps, which we're going to do this time as well, you, you've got people coming in in the middle of the night because because the temperature fluctuates so so much um, in, in the country. It can go from like plus plus forty to minus forty. You know, we did of the winter. and when we're going to be there, I think it's I think it's averaging about eighteen during the day, but it drops down to about two or three at night. And the last time we went, we were there in early September last year. One of the gear camps it snowed. Uh, one of the last nights we were there, it was snowing. There was snow coming in through the roof. So that, that's, yeah. that's, how, that's how quickly the, the temperatures can change, and especially at night time when it's really cold. So yes, you need a lot, lots of insulation. I wouldn't frame insulation and if they're proof out clothing. And they've got, they've got. Um, in a, there's about four or five beds in each of the gears. And the, the ones where we stayed in and, and, and the Gobi Desert, we just one of the days we were just driving, didn't, we didn't know where we were going. And to the driver, just kept stopping, asking, any chance we could stay here tonight? And that's how we ended up staying. This woman had about three girls, and, and we just crammed into three. them I mean, and she was in the only one with her family, and, and she made her dinner that night. I mean, again, that was just it was one of these surreal experiences, where you're, you're driving about hundreds and hundreds of miles, not seeing a thing, and then coming across these four girls, and that's where we stayed for the night. And the woman had no expectation we were going to arrive. Um, and yet we we got we had dinner there that night. It was just it was just it's just, it just, it just, it just, it just another example of how friendly they are, you know. To right. complete strangers. I know I digressed, I digressed a wee bit from you were asking what again is got
0: Oh really? I think you told us but did you did you build it last time or have I made that up?
2: We didn't we didn't build them on that trip. Um, one of the subsequent trips I went on with um Bear, Ian Bear. Mm-hmm. Um we, we 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 dismantled one and then built one there. Um, but on, on the last trip we didn't I don't think we'd have enough time to do no we'd have enough time oh, yeah. because plus it's I think
1: it's, it's one of those ones where um, it's a wee bit like when I try and help the wife like fold up the fold up the iron or something uh, you're just more of a hindrance you know and they would just have to redo everything <laughs> I think they, they've got it down to a fee whereas if we are trying to do it well like, oh, that's good that's good but as soon as you get away oh, I think there. You know, let's try and
2: you have to fix that again. So I know the struggles
0: I have with IKEA furniture. So uh, you've got my sympathies. <laughs> well, the time I did it,
2: eh,
0: they were just They They were <laughs> uh, Most important question then. So anybody that's you've already asked people to help on Facebook, but for anyone who hasn't seen it or who listened to this uh, is moved by it and wants to help, how can they donate money to to your trip?
1: Well, firstly. We've tried not to really ask people for money because, you know, it's like Facebook these days, everybody's doing stuff for something. So um, so we've tried to raise the money ourselves. We've had quite a lot of events. Um, we've had a Grease and Dirty dance night, we've had a Speakers night, we've had a, a Psychic night, and we've got a couple more coming up. Um, we've got a Mamma Mia night in, the, in September at the Four L's, uh, and we've got a Queen night, and we've got a, a Rocky Horror Picture Show night, so people don't want to just give money over blindly, hopefully we'll come along to one of these events and, and buy tickets and come over at any time. Um so we've tried to raise money through events rather so than just go begging. Um but we do have a a, a GoFundMe page. So it's um, I'll just look at it, now. it's it's uh, GoFundMe.com, and then it's can- cervical cancer, suicide and homelessness in Mongolia. So we people as always have uh, fans especially have been really, really generous. We've got um we well, managed to get maybe two or three grand I think just through donations the rest we've kind of raised ourselves but even just getting two or three thousand pounds is fantastic Um the last time we went out and we I think it was four gears we donated the last time um, and again we'd, we 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 raised money ourselves we did have a GoFundMe page as well which worked really well but people um, Mark Allison was still with us at that point so he gave us a thousand pounds Uh Naeem Akhtar, who's a, a kind of well-known Eardry fan, gave us £1,000. The stadium company gave us £1,000. So when we get back out this time, as I say, we'll have plaques and we'll be naming these girls. We'll go and visit the families for the last time and we'll, we'll hand over the, the plaques and, and kind of name them if you like. Um, so but again, I'm digressed. So anyway, we've got a go for me page. Cervical cancer, care, suicide and homelessness in then go um, And if people can donate an app or if they want to come to one of the events we've got, even better.
0: Excellent. And how much are we talking about? For, so for these are families that have never had a home before. How much money do you need to raise for each gear? Well,
1: we've we've set ourselves a target of seven thousand two hundred, and um, in, in the UK, to raise if you like. Um, the gears cost about uh, between eight hundred and a thousand pounds. Um, like anywhere else, if you if you buy you know if we buy five, we'll get them for 800 pounds. Um, so we're, we've set ourselves a target of 3,200 for that. Um, we've donated a we we're, well, we're hoping to donate a thousand pounds to the New Beginnings homeless charity, uh, which is in, in Scotland, um, and we are looking to give three thousand pounds to the Michelle Henderson Sheffield Cancer Trust, which, as I say, has got a presence in Mongolia but is predominantly UK-based. So. Um, so we're not far off it. To be honest, people will be really generous. And, the events we've had have been been really good as well. And then when we're there, so when we're there, the, the tournament we've mentioned, um so every team who enters the tournament when we're there has to pay five hundred dollars. Um we've got I think we've got twelve teams confirmed now. We're hoping to get twenty. So if we get twenty teams that's ten thousand dollars, which is about eight thousand uh, pounds. and that's going to go straight to the Mongolia Cancer Centre um and and uh, with a, a cervical cancer Project that they are working on a pilot they're working on. So all in all, if, if all comes off, we'll have raised about 15k, which is well pretty decent, I think, for just 13 or 14 folk in February.
0: Oh, definitely. And I, mean, I wish you all luck with it. I hope you, I hope you enjoy it. But I hope that all these aims that you've got that you're able to achieve them. Uh, and if and if anybody that listens can help out with that, then please get in touch with Dougie or go through the the GoFundMe page, and it'll be much appreciated. Thank you. Good luck, guys, and enjoy the trip. Cheers, Thanks, mate. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs>